Matthew chapter 6. Did I say 5? Yeah. Oh, we're doing the Sermon on the Mount. I think we had 13 studies in chapter 5 or something like that. We're cruising through chapter 6 pretty quick. We're going to get through a whole 10 verses today. Aren't you guys excited about that? Yeah. I sure am. I sure am. Cool, cool. You guys like the lamps? Does it feel homey in here? Yeah, yeah we did that just for Steve. But he's like, it's really cool. You should just keep it that way. So I thought we'd try it. Yep. If you don't like it, don't send me an email. So while on vacation, we got to drive to Colorado. And then we got to go all the way through the Rocky Mountains, all the way up into Montana. It was wonderful and beautiful. I could stare for hours just at the vastness. Huge. It's beautiful. On one of our hikes... I saw these multi-million dollar homes, okay? Um, I didn't covet. Normally, I would covet a house like that. But I was just wondering. I'm sitting there. I'm looking, and they have these awesome overlooks, okay? These massive mountains with their many ridges and uh, these massive green pines that overlook uh, sometimes a hidden lake or winding rivers, uh, some of them that actually made some really fantastic falls, and I wondered if they still appreciated the view. It's like, hey, you got an awesome house, phenomenal view. Do you even appreciate it anymore? Or have you gotten so used to it that you take all of this for granted? Because all I wanted to do was just hang out and look at the mountains all day long, right? Did they still see the ebb and flow there of God's creation? Did they still catch those birds that were diving down to get their prey? Or maybe some wildlife? that was plain. Maybe the sunlight that shimmers and dances and twinkles off the mountain peaks. Some of the mountains out there still have snow on the top, even in the middle of summer. Father, we pray this morning as we consider uh, your teaching here again. We're so thankful for it. And as we approach a passage of scripture, I think everyone in this room is probably familiar with. Uh, we pray that we would be teachable and open, that you'd even open our eyes and our understanding uh, to things maybe we haven't seen before or considered. We know the gift of prayer, there's nothing like it. To be able to talk to you, to hear from you, the creator of all things, there's nothing greater. Let us never take that for granted, Father. Amen? Amen. So this morning, guys, we have before us probably the greatest prayer of the church in the last 2,000 years. There's been thousands and thousands of sermons preached on this, and I don't think the depth of it ever will truly be exhausted. There's going to be six petitions that we find here that are absolutely perfect for every man and woman who's ever lived or is living or will live. You see, the initial focus here, I keep wanting to call it the Lord's Prayer. How many of you guys know this passage is the Lord's Prayer? Okay? I think that's a horrible name for it. It should be called the Disciples' Prayer. Am I correct? Because he's teaching us how to pray, his disciples. What should the Lord's Prayer be? You guys ever read John chapter 17 where he's crying out to the Father? 
praying for the church that would be established, for the unity within the church, the love within. I think that should have been called the Lord's. Anyways, totally sidetracked. Back to this. Okay, we're going to have this initial focus as we consider in this prayer. Okay, the first three are upward. Okay, there are three requests that all have to do with the glory of God. And do you guys know that's why we're here? All right, if you don't, read the Bible. Um, so the glory of God. And then the three remaining is for our well-being, okay? So God first, man second, amen? Okay, so that's really the ideal prayer. So his glory always goes before our wants. So parallel the Ten Commandments for a second with me. How many of you guys have studied the Big Ten? How many of you guys know the Big Ten, Uriah? Do you know all 10? Oh, we got some homework to do, buddy. So, didn't we just go? Anyways, uh, <laughs> the big 10. But if you guys have ever studied the 10 commandments, do you guys know that our, the first four are all dealing with God? Okay, for his glory. And then the final six is dealing with us. Okay, our well-being. So I kind of see that in there. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, it's not only the pattern for prayer, it's the way Christians must pray. So when we approach, okay, and we say our Father, okay, do we still see it? Okay, or have we been, you know, <laughs> have, we, have we stared at this prayer so long, said it so many times by rote, that we've kind of missed the blessing in the, 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 the teaching that God has, the reality of this prayer. You see, as, giving, as a giving heart is expected when we do charitable deeds, which we see in verse 2, we talked about that last week, right? So is praying. So when you pray, verse 5, or when you're fasting, which we'll consider next week in verse 16, Jesus gives us four instructions here to guide us in our prayers. So this is what we're going to go through this morning. I hope you guys have a handout to follow through this morning. But we're going to look at pray for private uh, we need to be praying in private before we pray in public. Very important, right? We need to pray sincerely. We need to pray in God's will. And then we need to pray with a forgiving spirit. Does that sound pretty good? Pretty simple? Amen. Glad you guys enjoyed the sermon. See you guys next week. <laughs> no, let's look into this a little bit. Verses 5 and 6, we'll look at the reality here of pray in private before praying in public. Verse 5, Jesus said this, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love praying, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in secret, that secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, is this true? Absolutely. It's the word of God. <laughs> so, when we pray, we're praying to God. The, the Pharisees, very religious dudes, okay? They would pray three times a day, 9 a.m., noon, um, and three o'clock in the afternoon to pray in the synagogues or at the temple or wherever they would go. Now, is there anything with seeking God three times a day? No. Daniel did it, right? 
And we loved Daniel, right? He was a good dude. Um, but the Pharisees, they were not doing it to seek the Lord, but they were doing it to be seen by men. That's the problem. That's what Jesus is bringing up here. You catch that phrase? On the street corners. Why are you praying on the street corners? Okay? Oh, Lord, I can't wait for noon so I can go to the synagogue and praise you, oh, Lord, most magnificent. Okay? They were out there just to be seen by men. That's why they were doing You guys ever been in a prayer meeting where you had a show-off prayer? You know what I'm saying? You ever been around those people? You know what I'm talking. It's the one that you fall asleep because they pray so long. <laughs> so get to the point already. Anyways, uh, pray for your pastor's heart. <laughs> Do you have a secret place? Basement. Basement. Nice. Do you have a secret place to pray? Your father does, and he awaits for your presence. Secret place is a good place to have. If you don't have one, pray. God, where should my secret place be? It might literally be in a closet, your prayer closet. It might be a place. It might be a park bench somewhere. Where's your place? Steve's down in Tennessee now, but before he lived in Racine. And I got to preach for uh, Pastor Robert years back. And he was out of town, and I'm walking around before service, you know, just praying that things would go well. As I'm walking around the sanctuary and praying, came to this spot. And I asked Elder, is it Jim, one of the elders down there? What's his name? I forget what the elder's name was. But I asked him, I'm just like, who, what is this? And he looks at me, and he's just like, that's where our church intercessor sits and prays during the whole service. That was her place. You could just sense the Spirit of God was so strong in that exact seat. You're like, what is going on? Do you have that place that you go to and it's instantly, all right, this is God time. This is where I pray. This is where I talk. I hope you do. It's good to have. And if you don't, pray for one of those secret places. So Psalm 91 one tells us, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Think about that for a second. A shadow isn't normally good protection, right? Oh, go hide under the shadow. That ain't going to do nothing, right? <laughs> Unless you're talking about being behind your big brother who protects you. Or better yet, in the case of God's wings hovering over you inches away in that protective mode. You guys ever see a protective mother eagle? Right? Okay? God protecting us that way. You guys ever see uh, little animals? They'll run into their little hiding places, their little hole. You know? Oh, I'm scared! I'm gone! They got tons of groundhogs out west. You guys ever go through any of those state parks? They're all over, you know? And if they get scared, poof, they're just gone. They're protected in their little place. Um, airplanes. You guys ever have to go to the bathroom on an airplane? Yeah. Oh, it's dark in there! And you walk in, you shut the door, and what happens? Illumination! All the lights go on there. Like, that's so cool. I think maybe that happens to us when we go to the secret place. Our prayer closet, wherever that may be. Illumination happens. Amen? I'm sorry, I liken that to an airplane bathroom. 
Let's move on, verse 7 and 8. We need to pray sincerely. Jesus said here, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. So repeating prayer is not necessarily a vain repetition. I want you guys to get this. Uh, both Jesus and Paul repeated prayers, right? You guys remember in the garden, three times Jesus prayed, let this cup pass by me. Paul prayed for that thorn in the flesh over and over again. So all of us have a routine prayer in our system. And I think once we get rid of that routine sometimes, okay, uh, then we can really start to pray, you know? Um, so he's saying here, you know, don't pray with your mind on hold and your mouth on automatic. Make sure that your mind's engaged, okay, that your heart's actually sensitized. So it is interesting, Jesus places this here right before the very prayer that is so often repeated. Isn't that kind of cool? You know, he says this, and then we have this prayer that everybody knows, <laughs> and we say it over and over again. So many words. Some people's prayers need to be cut short on both sides and set on fire in the middle. Amen? Get to the point already. You know? uh, so praying isn't for God's information. You guys ever feel that way? When you're praying with some other people, it's just like, wow, you're sure telling God a whole lot. You know, we need to remember who we're praying to, okay? We're not talking, when we're praying, we're talking to God, right? He knows, so keep it there, okay? And always ask that question, who am I talking to? So I've prayed with people, I think they just more self-talk than actually understand, no, you're before the throne of grace, the living God. He has your, you know, he, he's hearing you. You have his ear, you're talking to him. <laughs> talk to him. Don't talk to yourself. <laughs> talk to him. So praying God's will. Verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So not to be mindlessly repeated, but genuinely prayed. Have you guys ever taken the time to really think through this prayer? It's pretty cool. I had the temptation, because we're not to pray for that, but <laughs> the temptation about breaking down each one of these lines is a separate teaching. There really is so much here for us. Um, so think, you know, he made this abundantly clear in his intro here when it's, you know, saying versus praying. So we really need to pray to really engage, not just say it, I've memorized it, but actually pray it. So we don't hear the disciples asking the Lord to teach them to preach, right? Jesus, can you teach us how to preach? Or maybe how to cast out some demons, that would be pretty cool. Or could you teach us how to prophesy? How about to worship, right, Steve? 
It's all about worship. Worship leaders are all about worship. Anyways, <laughs> maybe about witnessing because we want to see people come to the Lord, right? Teach us how to do that. Jesus, teach us how to grow a church or maybe start a home Bible study. Help us to be a relevant church. Can you teach us how to do that, Jesus? But teach us to pray. Do you guys see how important that is? I could have asked anything. Teach us to pray. How important is that? Let me tell you what. I've been to a lot of conferences for those pastors or church leaders. And I've learned a lot of great things about how to do a church, how to lead, how to implement this and do that, how to preach. I've never been to a conference that taught us to pray. How cool would that be? Prayer conference. Why isn't there a prayer conference? Does ever think about that? My house should be a house of prayer, but you've made it what? Den of thieves. I had a conversation this last week with somebody about church in the business aspect of church and why so many churches have to act like a business. We don't have to, guys. We're set apart from the world. Okay? We need to be different. We need to be humbled and on our knees before God. So, you guys remember, uh, yeah, we don't have time for that. All right, so why? Why did, he say, why did they ask, teach us to pray here? Well, they must have noted how often he was praying. Do you guys ever catch that as you're reading the Gospels? Wasn't Jesus always sneaking off to prayer? I mean, he'd get up way before the sun, right, to pray. So in this must, you know, they must have been thinking, hey, there's got to be something to this, okay? We, we, we get it, okay? Jesus is special. He has authority. He's moving in power. Miracles are being done. Preaches going forth. People are coming to the Lord. They're repenting. What's going on? Well, this must be a key, this prayer thing he keeps doing to strength, wisdom, leading, instruction, communion, and fellowship with the Father, so as we consider this prayer, it's only 65 words long. It takes about 20 seconds to pray. Again, three of them are directed towards God, and three of them are for us. So God's name is to be honored and respected. God's kingdom to be completed. And God's will to be implemented. And then for our physical needs, okay, our daily bread, our social needs forgiving and being forgiven, and then our spiritual needs, temptation and deliverance. So let's look at these six elements of this prayer. We're going to see God's person, his purpose, provision, pardon, protection, and preeminence. Hey, those are, those are good things. They're in your handout there. All right, good. So our Father, okay, verse 9, right? This is speaking of God's person, our Father. Not omniscient one, right? Which he is, correct? Okay? It's not Elohim, strong one, not the mighty one, nor the I am, but Father. Did you guys ever think about that? Why Father? Because he's our dad. Do you guys get that? We've been adopted into his family. God is accessible as the most loving human parent. That's what it speaks to me. God is right there. There's so many people that think God is so far. I can't come to him. No, <laughs> he loves you like a good father would. So Father, if you look and study out 
Only four times in all the Old Testament, 39 books, only 14 times is God referred to as Father in all of the Old Testament. 17 times in this sermon that Jesus preached. Isn't that pretty cool? And about 70 times in the New Testament in its totality. So, did God change? No. Who did? We did, right? John chapter 1, verse 12. Do I have that in your notes? Awesome. Yet, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Isn't that a cool verse? I love that. So there are only three people on this planet that get to call me father. Uriah, Phineas, and Shalom. That's it. When I was doing the chaplaincy up in the jail, I met with some Catholic folk that like to call me father. I'm like, oh, we don't do that. Let's open the Bible. See, you're not to call anyone father. Okay, we're not to do that. Um, but you guys know that I'm open to the opportunity of adoption. Then there would be others who could call me father. You guys see how that works? But if that did happen, guess what? I wouldn't change. They would change. Does that make sense? Following me? Oh, good. So, God didn't change. We did. We became his sons and daughters. So, maybe you haven't yet. What do you need to do? You need to repent and believe on Jesus Christ. He is Savior. That's how you come in relationship. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus said. No one. He's the only way you can come into relationship with the living God. And you better know him because you don't want to be in Matthew 7, 21, which we'll get to in a few months from now. Right? Lord, Lord, look at all this we've done. I'm a good person. We did this. We did that. And then to have God say, depart from me, I never knew you. You have to be in that relationship with him. So important. And one of my pet peeves, I'll share this really quick. I know it's a sidetrack, okay? We are not all children of God. I have a hard time when I hear people on television say that or when I'm witnessing to somebody, we're all good. We're all kids of God. We all get to go to heaven someday. No, unless you are in Christ Jesus, you are not a child of God. The Bible says, God himself says that you are a son of disobedience. You're a son of Satan, okay? That's who you are. You are spiritually dead until you are born again in the spirit of God. And that only happens when you repent and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. 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 So, thanks for that sidetrack. Back here in heaven, right? So our Father who is in heaven. So don't forget that. In heaven, I think we find a neat balance of intimacy. We have the Father there with an affirmation of God's sovereignty and also his majesty of being in heaven. Ecclesiastes 5.2, God is in heaven. You are on earth. Let your words be few. There's a lot of wisdom in that. We think we have it all figured out. No. <laughs> There's one who is much wiser than we are. His ways are much higher than our ways are. Okay? And we need to be in that place of really being humble before him and recognizing that. And what a privilege we have to go to him. You guys ever have that? Even some of you guys that are a little older that still have your dad or mom around. Isn't it a blessing to be able to call on your parent and ask them a question? Absolutely. What about this? What about that? And then this word hallowed really just means holy is your name, right? So kind of like hallowed ground. You guys ever think about that when you pray? Man, this is holy ground we're on right now. We're with God. We're before him. 
In 1 Chronicles 16.10, glory in his holy name, we're told. We're told later in that chapter, verse 35, give thanks to his holy name. Psalm 30, verse 4, praise his holy name. Have you done a song in that yet? Psalm 30? Steve names all his songs just by the Psalms. Psalm 145 we did last night. Is that it? Yeah. So, we're to praise his name. And why? Well, God's purpose. Look at verse 10 here. This, we see God's purpose. You're either saying your will be done or my will be done. Does it really all come down to that? I don't want you on the throne because I want to be on the throne, God. It's one or the other. But it's one of those things, if we're not just saying the words, but we're really praying it, your will be done. Because we're selfish people, aren't we? But it's good to recognize and humble ourselves in prayer because what are we doing? We're recognizing, no, you're right, God. I'm wrong. Your will be done. So you can either be still and know that he is God, or you can tell God to be still and know that you are. That choice is yours. So if you want your will to be done, he will allow it. If you want to reject God, he'll help the situation by rejecting you. And if you want your way, he'll let you go your way. Robert Law said this, Prayer is a mighty instrument, not for getting man's will done in heaven, but for God getting, or sorry, for getting God's will done on earth. I like that. Is that your perspective when you go home before the Lord? All right, I'm here. Not to tell you what I want, <laughs> but actually to ask you what you want. What is your will? What are you asking me to do, Father? So we have no right to ask God for anything that will dishonor his name, keep this in mind, or delay his kingdom or disturb his will on earth. You keep that in mind, your prayers will line up according to his will. And then we see God's provision in verse 11. Give us. Did you guys catch the us here? It's not me. Give me. It's not about me. Give us, right? So no singular pronouns at all in the Lord's Prayer. Let me know if you find one. I didn't. Uh, this day. So did he insert this in here to let us know we should at least be praying daily? You guys ever go a whole day without praying? Doesn't that feel weird? I'm just like, what just happened? How did... How did I go all day without praying? You know, it should feel weird for us as Christians. We're to pray without ceasing. We should be in that continual fellowship with him. And then daily bread. Why daily? Well, does he have need of us? No. <laughs> we have need of him, right? He's our bread. If you don't know that, check out John chapter 6 on your own. So pray daily for... The day is coming for revision and life's essentials. Recognize that all sustenance for life comes from God. Be content with your daily bread and quit looking at your neighbor's slice. Life does not come to us all at once either. Some of us think, oh, why isn't this happening? Why not now, God? Again, who knows best, right? So tomorrow is not ours, but... When it does come, God's going to supply us both with daily bread and daily strength. So really our prayer is, Lord, give us both the bread of heaven and of earth that which feeds my soul and my spirit. That's so important. And a lot of us will bow our heads 
and we'll pray over our meals, give thanks for that. But are you spiritually feeding daily? And do you thank the Lord when you're spiritually fed? Verse 12, God's pardon. No prayer of mortal man could be complete without confession of sin. We should always uh, have debts to own and therefore always have need to cry. And what is our cry, guys? Forgive. <laughs> forgive me, Father. So could it, could it ever read, Lord, forgive me my debts, even if I won't forgive my debtors? That wouldn't work. Or forgive me my debts, but don't you dare think that I'm going to forgive my debtors. It doesn't work. So what is found in Christianity, guys, which is not found in any other religion? Think about it. What is so unique about Christianity? Well, that was a question that was asked at a seminar. There were several prominent Christian theologians. C.S. Lewis, how many of you guys are familiar with him? Brilliant thinker, right? A gifted author. Uh, he was caught up in a traffic. He was delayed uh, to getting there. Okay, The panel, they were all puzzled over that question. They were puzzled. Uh, we don't know. After about an hour, Lewis arrived and the question was posed to him to which he replied, well, that's simple. The forgiveness of sin. Brothers and sisters, that is what's unique to Christianity. It's not earning your way to heaven, being good enough. It's being forgiven of our sin. So this really is the magnetic draw to Christianity. I mean, that's why I'm here this morning. Is that why you're here? You've been forgiven, guys. That's why we're here. Why do we come to worship? Why do we come to give? Why do we love? Why do we serve? So we've been forgiven. He's been forgiven much, loves much, right? So we were and are in need of forgiveness of sin. And only Christianity provides that. And it's only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 13. Look at God's protection here as the last petition asks for forgiveness for sins that we've committed. This petition then asks for strength not to commit future sins. Lead us not into temptation or testings. But I thought testings were good for us, aren't they? Yeah. But let us not say, Lord, test me. I'm ready, right? What does the Bible actually say? Well, this is really, if we look at it, it's a prayer of humility. You know, if you think you stand, take heed, lest you fall. We got to stay humble before God. Don't look at my strength, how spiritual I've become, how strong I am now. No, we need to stay humble. Because in our weakness, his strength is made perfect, guys. So it's asking, do not allow us to come under the sway of temptation that will overpower us and cause us to sin. But deliver us from the evil one. Who's the evil one? Satan. I call him turkey sometimes. Satan, you guys know, is a powerful being. You guys know that? He is alive. He is well. Um, he knows his hour is getting late too. Yet he trembles when the weakest of saint is upon his knees. Okay? When you're going through it, guys, you get on your knees. So, for yours is the kingdom and the power 
in the glory forever. Amen. Okay, this talks to God's preeminence, the second part of verse 13. This very short prayer ends with this explosive prayer or praise here. I love this. Okay, all rule, might, honor belong to who? To you, God. That's his point here. It's all you. You are deserving forever. It is ascribed to you and you alone. So when praying, brothers and sisters, remember the person of God. He's my father. Then remember the purpose of God, his will and not mine. And then remember the provision of God, our daily bread. Then remember the pardon of God, that I'm forgiven and I can forgive. And then remember the protection of God from testing from the evil one. And then always end by praising him uh, for yours is the kingdom. And then verses 14 and 15, okay? Uh, we need to pray with a forgiving spirit, guys. This is so important. Um, so the appendix to this prayer, he now expands from the second part of verse 12. He's not teaching that believers earned God's forgiveness by forgiving others. Do you guys know that? That's not how it's done, for this would be very contrary to the gospel of grace and of mercy. However, if we truly experience God's forgiveness, then we will have a readiness to forgive others, right? We know Ephesians 4.32, forgiving each other just as Christ and God has forgiven you. Also in Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances that you might have against one another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And when you grasp the forgiveness of God, it'll be very easy to forgive others because we're going to go through it. There's going to be hurts in this life. People are going to betray us. There's going to be pain. But let me tell you what, when we understand the forgiveness of God, okay, and we're loving him, it's going to be easy to do the same. So true praying really is a family affair here. Our father, so if members of a family aren't getting along, how can they claim to have a right relationship with their father? So when people fail, we don't rub it in. Don't rub it in. Rub it out. That's what we do as Christians. Forgive them. So it may be a blessing to be wronged, since it affords us the opportunity of judging whether we are indeed the recipients of the pardon which comes from the throne of God. Charles Spurgeon said that, and I would agree with him. It is good to understand this, to grasp this. So how very sweet it is, guys, to pass by other men's offenses against ourselves, for in this we learn how sweet it is to the Lord to pardon us. It is sweet. 